0: Welcome to the Live Revolutionary Podcast, and I am your host, Vanessa Cruz. In preparation for my last podcast on how not to date a narcissist, I discovered there are few resources available when it comes to God being the premier relationship that can heal attachment wounds. So after some research, I'm confident in bringing you answers to why you attach with people and God the way you do part one. We're about to dive in deep. Take notes if you can. I've tried my best to simplify some concepts without losing the most important elements. So here we go. I'll start with a real-world example. Every day, my one-year-old knows that after we wake up, we're going to head downstairs and mom's going to start cooking. Once Saki started walking, he went from playing on a mat on the floor next to me to playing around the kitchen. Then I noticed he started to feel even more confident to play with toys in the living room while I cooked. But after some time, I noticed he would return and want to be picked up. This is called the circle of attachment, and it's characterized by four foundational principles. It's these principles or behaviors in tandem with your primary caregiver that ultimately contributes to your future attachment style. That being how you connect with people and how you connect with God, or attach with people and attach with God. So listen closely. Here are the four principles. Number one, the secure base. Number two, exploration. Number three, attachment behaviors which are signaling and proximity seeking and number 4 safe haven so let's talk about the secure base an identifying characteristic of the secure base is that a child is confident their caregiver is keyword available as they move away from them and explore the world was your caregiver consistently available when you were a child and exploring were they supportive and encouraging in your exploratory behaviors, or were they preoccupied, present but not very active? Were they dismissive, not very in tune at all, or worse? Were you scared of your caregiver? Were they verbally, emotionally, or physically abusive? Having a secure base means you were able to develop a sense of confidence to be able to venture out into the world, knowing your caregiver is available when you need them. This leads us to number two. Exploration. This describes the ability of a child to safely explore his or her environment while feeling psychologically and emotionally tethered to their secure base. Did you feel confident to explore the world knowing if a dangerous or unfamiliar situation arose that you would have an emotionally available parent or maybe you weren't allowed to explore? Did your caregiver have fear or anxiety that kept you from exploring? Or was there abuse in the home and you were made to feel controlled? Let's talk about attachment behaviors. These are characterized by signaling and proximity seeking. So when Zachy is done playing and he needs that, that reconnection, that, that connection restored between us, And he comes up to me, and you've probably seen this before, and he he arches his arms toward me, and he opens up and closes his hands, signaling, pick me up, please. These attachment behaviors serve to restore closeness. I'm still sad to think about this now, but as a child, I didn't want to be home. I didn't have a secure base, and I never felt protected. So if I was playing outside, which was rare, and I had to use the washroom, I would pee on myself and I really wasn't allowed to explore much. So I always felt like I needed to take advantage of the little time I had outside. So if I was injured, what was the point of proximity seeking? I was most likely going to be in trouble for having a scraped knee and not be allowed to play outside again. So in contrast, today as a mother, I can thank God for insight, right? And for the privilege to break generational cycles. One thing I noticed by observing my son is this natural expectation and confidence he has when he's wanting that reconnection, right? Sometimes he wants that reconnection at not so convenient times. I'm in the middle of cooking and need both hands or trying to take care of a piece of business on the computer and he'll reach out. But it's in these moments that I am forging a felt sense of trust with him. When I stop what I'm doing and I attend to him, I'm communicating. I always have time for you. I'm here for you. Number four, safe haven, right? It's our fourth principle. It's characterized by the child seeking out comfort, protection, and affirmation from their caregiver. They perceive their caregiver as a place of safety. For instance, when we're around a new group of people, I notice how my son will instinctively move closer to my husband and I, right? Or if a loud car goes by, he'll run in my direction. If you've been paying attention, you will have noticed that this foundation of emotional trust, this circle of attachment, its behaviors and experiences, they ultimately lay down a framework and expectation for the most significant relationship in your life. And that is your relationship with God, our central attachment figure. So it's no wonder when we hear folks struggling to embrace the idea that God hears their prayers or to believe that God is actively moving in their life, or struggling with the idea that God is with you and for you, that he is available to you. Perhaps it's because you didn't have a felt sense of having a secure base with your caregiver, a sense of trust. You know, in my transition to becoming a business owner, I struggled and was on this emotional roller coaster. One day I was confident of what I felt God was calling me to do, and another day I wrestled hard with whether I heard God right, was I overstepping, did I have permission, or was I being overly ambitious, until one day God had shown me this psychological war was directly connected to my childhood attachment experience. I grew up being very controlled and isolated. I wasn't allowed many choices. Now, every good parent will place limits on what a child has access to do, right? But I wasn't allowed to play with dolls, or own dollhouses, or own tea sets. I wasn't allowed to talk to friends over the phone or have them over. This isolated and limited experience, it hindered my ability to feel the freedom to explore. It taught me to play it safe, to not take healthy risks, and have a general sense that I'm not allowed to do something. Some people struggle with rejection. This might be an unconscious belief. That God does not care about the small things going on in your life. The feeling that he will not respond to your cries or prayers for help. This might be connected to a childhood experience of finding yourself crying and being met with comments like, why are you crying? I'll give you something to cry about. Or felt like your emotions were ignored. Maybe even severe neglect where your basic needs weren't met and you weren't sure when you would be fed again or have clean clothes. Consistent, healthy responses to our proximity and signaling teach us to trust others, to have healthy expectations of others responding to our needs. What about when crap hits the fan? When life explodes, where do you run to or who do you run to? Do you run to alcohol, shopping? Do you isolate? Do you run to your friends? Do you run to your pastor? Well, what if you are the pastor? If you didn't have a healthy, safe haven experience, then more than likely you are not confident in running to God for help. You know, imagining a young woman who gets pregnant unexpectedly and feels like she has no one to turn to for help. I imagine that feeling, that experience must be lonely. I'm also thinking of a father and a husband who desperately wants to provide for his family and feels the weight and burden of responsibility. So he takes on multiple jobs and overworks himself because that is all he's ever known and thinks this is the right thing to do. I imagine that also must be a lonely experience. The childhood safe haven experience teaches us people are trustworthy and are available to shelter us and provide help and assistance in times of danger or difficulty. Without this experience, our history will teach us to turn inward during a crisis, shift into survival mode, and figure it out. It's no wonder some of us don't know how to place our faith in God to help us through difficult times. So this concludes part one the foundation is set. We've covered what makes up a circle of attachment, how each experience is characterized, and how it could potentially impact your relationship with God. Only you know the nuances of your relationship with God that feel like a disconnect. Today's episode was created to help you assess your relationship with God and pinpoint where the root of that disconnect might be coming from. Part two will deliver God's heart behind the circle of attachment. I mean, Bowlby, the founder of Attachment Theory, only discovered what God put into place centuries ago. We will discover together how God provides a solution to every broken, dysfunctional childhood experience we could ever have. I deliver this to you with such joy in my heart, knowing and being able to confidently reiterate that Jesus is the remedy. Well, that's all for now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Do you reside in Illinois? I just launched the Remedy Counseling Practice. Our mission is to provide counseling from a clinical yet biblical worldview. You can learn more at theremedycounseling.com. And remember to think, feel, and live revolutionary.